0: We're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians this morning. So if you want to grab your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and if you happen to forget your Bible or you need one, there should be some Bibles uh, under the chairs out there. If you grab one of those, we're on page 918. We're going to be uh, reading from Ephesians 4 verse uh Starting verse 17, going through verse 32 and the ESV has a, a title for this section of scripture. It says "The New life." and that's kind of the idea that I want to get across this morning is uh, what is the new life and, and how do we live this new life? And these scriptures are are so important for us as we think about how to live in a new way. So follow along with me, Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, dive into the scripture, but before we do that, let's let's pray one more time. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity this morning to look into your Word. Lord, I ask that you would help me to present the truths. Found in the scripture in, a, in an intelligible way, in a way that inspires um, faithfulness to you. Lord, I pray that, that you would speak to each one of us through your word this morning, that you would use your spirit to convict, to guide, to help us to understand, not only in our heads, but in, in our hearts and in our lives, how we ought to live as People who claim your name lord I just pray that you would um, help the the distractions of this life to to fade away help us to be able to concentrate on the truth of your word and lord we're so grateful for this opportunity this morning to to be here to worship you I thank you so much for the songs that we've been able to sing of praise to you and lord i I just Hope that you will use this entire service and this message to conform us even more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it's that time of year, right? New Year's is coming up, and it's the time of year where you start to see a lot of reflections on the past year. Uh, If you're on Facebook, I'm sure uh, people's, you know, this past year, those montages of of, uh, pictures and stuff have been popping up, and you look at them, and you see everything that's happened over the last year, and oh, it's so nice, and it's, you know, sentimental, and it's good. Um, Maybe some of you are in the habit of, at this time of year, stopping and saying, okay, what what have I accomplished this last year? And you kind of go back, and you review, and you look, and you say, ah, well, you know, I did this well. Oh, need to work on that still. Um, the new year is always a, a time where we tend to, to stop and, and look back and remember. And that's a good thing. It's also a time of year where we look forward, right? We we say, hey, it's a new year. so. I don't have to uh, be bound by what happened this last year. New year, new me. This year, I'm gonna fill in the blank, right? I'm gonna lose that 20 pounds that I know I really should lose. I'm gonna actually open, uh, you know, some sort of savings for the future. I'm gonna, you know, work on my retirement. I'm going to. Uh, Get the the car that I've been wanting. I'm going to upgrade the house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's a new year. Here we go, right? It's a time where we we look back and we look forward. And, you know, if you watch TV, if you uh, look in the newspaper, uh, if you are alive, you are... (laughs) bombarded by all of these messages coming at you saying here use this product do this do that and it'll make your life better and this is your chance 2019 man you're going to rock this you are going to be a superstar by the end of this year and you know the the sad thing is most of those promises that those products make just don't come true. most of the uh, the things that we decide I'm going to do this this year uh, many of them don't happen. We fall short and those things that we said well that was 2018 I'm not going to do that anymore creep right into. 2019, don't they? And then at the end of 2019, we'll go, oh, hmm. Well, this is the year because now it's a new decade, not just a new year. So 2020 is my time, right? And we have this tendency to to think in that way as human beings. And it's not all bad. Um. But the thing that that I want to hopefully point us to this morning is the fact that many of those things that that we determine we need to change are just uh, peripheral issues in life. They're things that don't really matter when it all comes down to it. Yes, you should be healthy. You know, you should take care of yourself. But is that the ultimate goal of life? No, it's not. The book of Ephesians, uh, Paul is is talking to a group of people and he's trying to encourage them. And he has spent several chapters talking about um, the really important things in life. He's talked about salvation. He's talked about the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's talked about how we can live together as believers, that as one body, how we can function uh, together and encourage one another and help each other with our with our gifts and with uh, the different things that that God has blessed us with. Let's use those to bless other people. And He's been talking about things that that do matter. These are things that are are not. Um, physical things like cars and houses that that are going to pass away. These are spiritual qualities that he is trying to impress upon the readers. These are the really important things. Go after these things. And when we come to uh, this passage that we're looking at, uh, he starts out in verse 17, and he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so he starts this passage by basically saying, look, if you want to make some changes, if you want something that's really new and great, make your New Year's resolution to change the way you live. Not just get a new this or get a new that or try a new prescription or try a new diet, but really like change the way you live. And to have a a transformation in your heart and in your mind that brings you closer to the ideal that God has for your life. And that ideal is Jesus Christ. In his life, we see throughout scripture that that Jesus lived the perfect life. He was completely righteous. And he is set up over and over again as the ideal that we ought to fix our eyes on and to strive after and to go towards being Christ, being Christ-like, having the same mind as he does. And that's what this... Uh, portion of scripture is about, it's about saying, look, this is a new year, my challenge for you, the challenge that, that Paul gives is new year, live a new life, a life centered on Christ, on his word, and on becoming more and more like him. Now." This passage, I think, kind of the, the key to this passage are the verses right in the middle, uh, verse 22 through 24. So I want to start there real quick to just kind of give us an outline of, of where we're going to go. But uh, Paul encourages us and he says, don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And you might ask, well, okay, that sounds good, but how do I do this? And, and verses, 22 through 24 give us a a mechanism for how we can accomplish that goal. So look real quick at, at verse 22 through 24. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So in these verses, we have basically a a three-step process. And it can be summed up in these phrases, put off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self. So put off, be renewed, and put on. Now, those of you who are familiar with uh, biblical counseling are going to know this as very foundational to uh, to the, the belief that, hey, God can, can use scripture to affect change in your life. And, and this is a process that, that you go through. Are you having trouble lying? Are you having trouble with anger? Are you having trouble with whatever? Well, here's the process. Put off those old uh, ways of thinking, those old ways of acting. Renew your minds renew the spirit of your minds, and then put on new action, put on new ways of thinking, new ways of acting. And there is this, this simple three-step process that, that Paul gives, and this is how we can live a new life. Now, that sounds kind of like a self-help book. <sighs> but guess what? This is God's self-help book, and it's true. Like, this is the way... That he has given us to affect change in our lives. But not only is this a mechanism for for living the new life, it's also a a description of what happens when we receive new life. And if you're thinking, well, what do you mean by that? Well, hopefully you are saved. (laughs) Hopefully, you're coming here as a believer this morning, but um, I realize that, that there may be someone out there who is going, well, I don't know. Am I saved? Am I not? And here's, here's the thing. The gospel that the Bible proclaims is basically this. You have to realize that there is a God. He's the creator of everything. He made you. He made me. He made everything. But then you got to realize that things went wrong because of man's sin. And because of man's sin, Romans 3.23, it's like a disease that has been passed down to all of us. and, And all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not only that, it's not just like, oh, well, you're a sinner, but that's okay. It's you're a sinner and you're in trouble. Romans 1 says that the wrath of God is being poured out on all who who know the truth but have in some way denied it. And Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. So we're in trouble. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And there is a process in salvation where, where we come to realize that our need of salvation. And we go, you know what? I need to put off my old way of living. And I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind, recognizing my sin, recognizing the effectiveness of Christ's death on the cross. And I need to embrace that through faith in him. And when that happens, hallelujah, by grace, you are saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And because of that salvation and because of that, that putting off of the old, the renewal of the mind that comes, you now then are ushered into a new life where you start to put on things that are pleasing and acceptable to God, things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you start to hunger for those things and desire those more than the old ways. And so there is an aspect where, where these three verses here in the middle, verse 22 through 24, are, are explaining that, that salvation process of putting off, being renewed, and then putting on, but they're also talking about sanctification. The process that we go through daily of becoming more and more like Christ. And so that's that's kind of the, the basic outline for this portion of scripture. And um, you know, if you're looking at the, the brief outline that I gave you in the notes, um, let's look now at that, that first section of putting off the old. And this is what I would call uh, verses 17 through 19. Now when Paul says here in, in verse 22 to put off your old self the the idea here is kind of like you're changing clothes. That's the um the word there has that that idea of putting something off, taking something off. So it imagine yourself clothed in in a robe of filth and unrighteousness. And and that's what um That's what he's talking about here in verses 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity." So what are we to put off? Well, we're to put off the ways of the Gentiles. And basically what he's saying here is this is the way that the world thinks and works. And if you look around, you'll see this. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. One of the key things that um, that characterizes the world is a hardness of heart towards God. When, let's see here. Looking around. How many of you went to a public school, high school, college? Yeah. Was there much talk about God and the goodness of his word and how great it is to follow after biblical standards and morals. No, really. What was taught? Basically, do what you want, right? You're the master. You're the king. Do what you want. Uh, uh, What is that? Well, that's a, a hardness of heart towards God's word, towards what He says to be true. The world says, eh, nah, no, I don't think so," and, and there is a, a hardness there. I will not accept that. That's no, that's not true. I'm sure you are all talk creation, right? No, <laughs> it's it's evolution and it's all this stuff and and. Again, what is that? Well, Romans 1 says it's man seeing the power of God and it's on display out there and going, hmm, well, this is amazing, but it can't be God. And they are denying the truth. They are, uh, they are darkened in their understanding. The things that should be evident that should be enlightening, the world takes and goes, eh, no, I don't think so. And, and the result of that is is a futility or a, a uselessness. Um, the philosophies of the world are useless. They're futile. They, they go nowhere. And that is what Paul is saying. Look, you need to put this stuff off. Don't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. In uh, Matthew six twenty two through 23, there's a verse that uh, kind of confuses some people, but it says this, the eye is the lamp of the body, So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is this darkness? And I think what Jesus is talking about there is what Paul is describing in these verses of being darkened in their understanding. And the picture is this. If If your eyes are bad, everything that comes through them is is tainted. You know, if you have really bad eyes, and you can only see about this far away, you know, if I'm trying to describe something out there, I can't do it properly. I just, I'm physically incapable of doing that. I would say, well, there's a a blob there, and uh, I don't know, there's kind of a, squiggly thing over there, you know, and I wouldn't be able to properly see, understand, and explain what is out there. And that's what Jesus is saying. If your eye is bad or if your eye is dark, you're going to be filled with improper understanding. You're going to be filled with untruth. You're going to be filled with knowledge that isn't really knowledge. And if that's the case, then you're in a really bad spot. And, and that's exactly what Paul is saying here is that the futility of the world comes from this darkened understanding that denies God, that says there is no God. And, and as a result, they, they come up with Nothing. That is the the mentality of the world, but note that that mentality leads to the morality of the world. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. A darkened, futile mentality leads to a morality leads to a morality that says anything goes. And we see this, don't we? I mean, in our culture, in our day and age, just to look at the, the media, look at the um, examples that we have out there, you know, it's just, they people live their lives um, far from, what the Bible says to be true. And they look for escape in so many different ways, and they look for fulfillment in so many different ways, whether that be money or sex or drugs or whatever. They're looking for anything. And the reason is because they they don't have a proper understanding of who God is, how he created things. They deny him, and the result is, well, I guess the only thing to go after is anything that makes me feel good. Anything that I think is worth something. And that kind of individualistic thinking leads to all manner of impurity and sensuality. Um, That idea of being sensual just means you go after your desires, whatever they are. To, to sense is to feel or taste or touch, and to be sensual is to be about all of those senses and just going after them. I feel this, so I go for it. I want that, so I do it. I don't care who gets in my way. I don't care what the ramifications are. I don't care if it's moral. I want to do it. So I go after it. That's the sensuality of our world. And the unfortunate thing is that the law of diminishing returns comes into effect. And not only are they sensual, but they're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Because that thing that you wanted and you desired and you went after and you got, guess what? It was, it was futile. It was empty. And so now what? Oh, now I want more. They're greedy to go after all kinds of impurity, thinking that they're going to find some sort of fulfillment, but it's all futility. Because it's debased. It's dark. It's away from the truth of who Christ is and what he's done, and it's against what he says in his word, and they will not find happiness but they're greedy for more. How much money do you need? More. How much sex do you need? More. How about your house? Well, it needs to be a little bit bigger. What about your car? Well, it'd be nice to have, you know, they're greedy for more and more and more and more, and never content, never satisfied. The way of the Gentiles is darkened, and it leads to nothing. And yet they're greedy to go full speed in the wrong direction. And Paul says, you must no longer walk as these Gentiles do. You've got to put that off. Now, in a salvation sense, that is what we repent of. When we come to realize our sin and our need of a savior, we say, man, I was going after the world and all of its things, and Lord, I repent. I realize that it's wrong. And we put that off in a salvation sense. But then in a sanctification sense, We have to do this daily. I have to do this daily. Anybody ever get caught up in this way of thinking, in this way of acting? One guy does. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. (laughs) You know, we, we the tendency, because we are still in this world and because we are surrounded by this culture that that preaches at us every day, our tendency is to get caught up in these things whose end is just futility. And not only that, but we still live in these bodies of flesh that are prone to want those things and to and to run after them. And because of that, this this putting off has to be a daily thing that we do. We have to daily say, Lord, ah, help me. Help me to put off the desires for things of this world and to go through this process of renewing my mind, my spirit, and then putting on righteousness, holiness, goodness. So... That is what we are to put off, the, the way of the Gentiles that is darkened, that leads to nothing, that, that comes from a hardness of heart and is evidenced by a, an ever-increasing hunger for sensuality and all kinds of impurity. Put it off. Have nothing to do with it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good, but how? Well, verse twenty. That is not the way you learned Christ. Now that that is a, a simple statement, but it's it's important. Um. And in the ESV, it, there's an exclamation point there, so it's not. But that is not the way you learned Christ. It's that is not the way you learned Christ. well, what's not the way I learned Christ? Well, basically what he's just described, what he has said, we need to put these things off, is just a, an ever-increasing hunger to do what comes naturally, to go after the desires of the flesh, just to, to go with the flow, to look to me and, and my wants and my desires and to go after those. What he's saying is that is not Christ. The example of Christ is that he came and he didn't look to be served but to serve. Right? He came and Philippians 2 says he humbled himself. He didn't look to his own desires, to his own life, but rather he put others ahead of himself. And because of that, he went to the cross. That is how you learned Christ. It's denying self. It's not running after self. It's the opposite. So he says, that is not the way that you learn Christ. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. So get rid of that stuff. This is how you learn Christ. It's not about um, denying God and being becoming callous towards sin. It's about denying self and becoming more aware of sin and becoming more aware of your need for his righteousness. In his work in your life. That is how you learn Christ. To put off your old self. Why? Because it belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Why should we put off these things? Because they are not who you are. If you are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5:17 says you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. And so if you are in Christ, that's not who you are. So don't live like it. Could you uh, imagine this, maybe? Heaven forbid, World War Three breaks out, and there's a draft, and you're drafted into service. So you're there, and you're going through basic training, but you decide, you know what, I'm just going to live like I always have. I'm just going to kick my feet back, watch some TV, eat some potato chips. Would that go over well? (laughs) No, it wouldn't, right? Why not? Because you've been drafted. You are not civilian now. You, your civilian life is gone. You are now something else. You know, and that's the idea here is like when we, when we are transformed by Christ and by faith in him, we are not that person anymore. We have been made new Why would we go back to that? And yet, that's the very temptation that we have, isn't it? So we we have to see that this putting off of the self is for good reason. Uh, The end of verse 22 says, which belongs to your former manner of life. Like that is former. That's past. Don't go back to it. And not only is it your former manner of life, but it's corrupt. And it's corrupted by all of these deceitful desires that are against Christ, that are against what his word says. So don't go there. There's no benefit. So what do you do? Well, you put off that stuff. You recognize it. Put it off. And then verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is an a interesting uh, phrase here, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. First off, that putting off the old self is, is an active tense of the verb. It means you, you actively do this. You put it off. Being renewed is a passive phrase, which means it, it's something that you're involved in, but it's something that happens to you. And guess what this is? This is the work of the spirit. In you, how are you renewed in the spirit of your mind? It comes from the spirit of God, and the best way for this to happen is to be in the Word, to be confronted with the truth of who God is, who Christ is, what He's done, how He asks us to live. When you see these things in the Word, and the Spirit grabs a hold of those, he is able to to implant those into your heart and into your mind, and the result is that you have a new way of thinking about things and new desires, and, and you are renewed in who you are so that you go, oh, my goodness, why did I ever want that? That stuff that belongs to the former life, like, ah, oh, that's gross. It's not good. It leads to bad things. Why would I want that? And in recognizing that through the word of God and through the work of the spirit in your life, you become renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that leads to something then. It leads to you saying, ugh. I don't want that. I need to put it off and and I agree with what the word says and, and the the spirit is is working in me and it's moving me towards what I see to be good and true now. So instead of anger that leads to sin, now I get angry but I process it in a different way and i and i desire to use it in a different way that leads towards righteousness instead of towards selfishness and sin and you know this is the 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 life of the christian to put off old things to be renewed in the spirit of our mind by his word by the Spirit working in us, and then to move on from there to actually doing what the Word says, what God would want us to do. You know, James says, faith without works. It does not It's dead. That's not faith. And that's very related to, to this process here. If you stop after the second thing, if you just say, well, I'm gonna put off stuff, I'm gonna be renewed in my mind, but then you don't continue on to new life and new ways of living, you're, you're stopping short. You haven't completed the process. And guess what you'll do? Most likely you'll head back towards former desires, former ways of living. You have to replace those old things with new things. Put them off, put these on. And again, we have this this idea of being clothed. So you were standing over here, you had this trench coat on that was ugly and filthy and nasty, and you take it off and you go, ugh, that's ugly, filthy, nasty. And then you look over here and you say, That is good, and that is right. And your mind and your spirit now desire this new thing, and you step over here, and you put it on. And that's the the process that he's talking about. And what are these new things that we put on? Well, verse 24, put on the new self, and this new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." And basically, this is pointing to the life of Christ. And it's saying, this is how you ought to live. And this life is true righteousness and true holiness. And that's a little vague. So then, you know what Paul does? He helps us out. And he goes on from here to tell us, okay, Now, here are some specifics. Here are some things that you need to do in order to put on righteousness, to clothe yourself in goodness and and things that that will last and that do please the Lord. And that's what the last portion of, of this passage is about. He says, therefore, having put away falseness, let each of you, Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So what is, you know, what is the former way that we need to put off? Well, lies, deceit, betrayal, all of those things. Falsehood. Let's put off falseness, falsehood. Let's be renewed in the sense that we see that and go, yeah, that's not good. That's not right. And then let's move on speaking the truth to one another you see that process there put off falsehood let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor and why do we do this because we're members of one another that's one of the, the key phrases in the book of Ephesians is he talks about being in Christ he talks about being one and he's saying look, this is how you ought to live because this is who you are. For me, to tell falsehood or lies or to be deceiving or conniving to you doesn't make sense because you're my brother, you're my sister. Why would I not tell you the truth? But we're tempted, aren't we? To lie. To make ourselves look good, to get out of trouble, whatever it is. But guess what? That's the flesh, right? And we need to put that off. We need to remind ourselves that's the flesh. We got to say, hey, the new creation, though, rejoices in the truth. So I'm going to put that on. And even though it's hard because I don't want to take responsibility for this thing at work that I know I messed up, but I could easily blame on somebody else, but I just need to speak the truth and say, yeah, I messed up. So put off falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Here again, we have this contrast of anger that would lead towards sin versus be angry, but don't sin. Anger is a neutral thing in the sense that it could lead towards sin or it could lead towards righteousness. When Jesus saw the people selling things in the temple, what was the emotion that came? It was anger. Because he saw the unrighteousness of it. He saw the injustice of it. He saw the defaming of God's holy temple by the stuff that was going on, and it welled up in him. And it led to him clearing out the temple but doing it in a, in a righteous way. Anger is something that, that wells up in us when there is some sort of injustice or wrong that we observe. And it can lead towards sin or it can lead towards righteousness. And what Paul is saying here is, be angry, but don't sin. And how does anger lead towards sin? Well, he gives some more advice. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you let anger burn, it turns to bitterness. It turns to callousness towards people. It turns to all sorts of nasty things. So he says, be angry, but don't dwell in it. Allow it to, to move you in the right direction. If you see somebody, or if you observe a friend who, you know, maybe uh, something, somebody wrongs them in some way, and you feel that anger, that injustice has happened, and that that energy is there, well, you can use that in a couple of ways. You can use that to walk over and just deck the person that just wronged your friend, or you can use that to to go and actually help the situation, and to, uh, to be a mediator between people. Um, when we see the injustice that is in the world and with sex trafficking, that shouldn't make us angry. We shouldn't just look at that and go, oh, hmm. Like that should stir something up in you that says, this is wrong. This is not right. This is not just. But now what do you do with it? You have to channel it towards a righteous response. Right? Abortion other things like that in in this world should anger us because they are unjust, not right. But we must... Channel that towards righteousness and not let it turn into I hate people that perform abortions, and so I'm going to bomb an abortion center. Wrong. But that's where anger can lead. So be angry, but do not sin. Give no opportunity to the devil. And how do you do that? You do that by renewing your mind. You go to the word and you say, oh, God, I'm angry about this thing. Or or maybe I'm angry about this situation in my life. How do I deal with it properly? You look at the scripture and you renew your mind and you figure out, how can I use this to, to lead towards righteousness? The guy who leaves his wife, you should be angry about that. But let that anger lead towards going after him in love. Not towards shunning him or, you know, doing something evil towards him or talking about him behind his back and all these things. And, oh, I can't believe he did that. That anger can lead you there or it can lead you to say, man, I got to talk to this guy. I got to confront him with the truth. I got to speak to him and love and encourage him to come back. Anger can go two ways. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor. Verse 28, doing honest work that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear that Word there, corrupting talk. I uh, was helped out by Dave. He sent me some notes on this uh, on this passage. That idea of corrupting talk there is basically has the it's the picture of rotten food. Your words can either be rotten food to other people, or they can be good, nutritious food that helps them live. That, that gives them energy, that gives them the things that they need from food, or that can be rotten, nasty food that brings them down and makes them sick. How are your words? Is there any corrupting talk coming out of you? Because there's a lot of corrupting talk that the Gentiles get involved in, but that shouldn't be the way that we live our new life in Christ. We should only be uplifting. Only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Instead of being a a dumpster filled with rotten food, you need to be a salad bar. Silly picture, but, you know, what are you? Are others, do they come to you and do they get good, healthy, nutritious words from you? Or do they get gross, nasty, disgusting things from you? Or just things that, that aren't encouraging? Are you a dumpster or are you a good salad bar? You know, and, and he, he keeps on going here um, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And we don't have time to, to go over all of these things in detail. But here's the thing. Go back to this idea of being renewed in the spirit of your minds. When you read those verses, what happens in your heart and in your mind? Cause here's the mark of a believer. They read the truth of God's word and it stirs their heart and it affects their mind. And when you read through these things, yeah, that you could have conviction. You could be like, oh man, I need to put that off. I need to put this on. But there should be a a response to the truth of God's word that, that ends in change, that ends in a desire to walk in a new way. So when you read this and it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, you should say, oh, yeah, I hate that stuff. I don't want to be involved in it. And it's a spirit working in you to renew your mind, your heart. Be kind to one another. Yeah, I want to do that. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. This is how the word and the spirit in you should should do what verse 23 says be renewed in the spirit of your minds you know and, and if you find yourself reading through the word and just being bored with it it's sad because one maybe you don't really have new life and so this is all just and you don't understand it. Or two, maybe you are a believer, but you've, you've become so callous towards good things that they don't even stir your heart and your mind to want to do those good things. And so pray. Say, Lord, help me to want these things. Help me to, to be inspired by your word, because I want to be renewed in my in the spirit of my mind, and I want to put on these new things because I realize this is the life that I'm called to. So, to wrap things up, I'd encourage you because Paul doesn't stop here at the end of uh, chapter four in Ephesians; he keeps on going and, and keeps on talking about how to live this new life. Things that we ought to do as husbands, as, as fathers, how to walk in love towards each other. And, and he keeps on going and like, this is, is the renewal that our, that our hearts and our minds need, is to take this stuff in and then to, to look and to say, Ugh, you know, I've got some stuff in my life that's residue from the way that the Gentiles work and think and how I used to think and used to work and how my flesh wants to go. And I got I to gotta put that off because, man, when I see this in the word, my, my heart is stirred and my mind is stirred and, and I want to do this. And then we got to take that step of going, all right, how can I be loving today? You know, who can I serve? Who can I put ahead of myself today? And then go and do it. And that's the new life that that God desires for you to have. And it's way more rewarding than losing 20 pounds. (laughs) And it's way more lasting than losing 20 pounds because guess what? By us doing the things that the Bible calls us to do, we're practicing how we're going to live in eternity. These things are not going to go away. If you develop kindness and patience and gentleness now, you'll be better suited for life in eternity with Christ. And you'll be better rewarded. This is what Matthew or Jesus talks about in Matthew when he says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. These are things that will last. And so, you know, I guess my encouragement for myself and for you is in this new year, let's be reminded of who we are. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, all things have become new. So live like it. Use this process of putting off Renewing your mind, putting on, to become more and more like him. And if you're a non-believer, you need new life. You need to recognize the futility of the world's thinking. It leads nowhere. It just leads towards a, a, an ever-growing hunger for more and more sinfulness, which never satisfies, and, and it's a vicious Circle that ends with you standing before the creator of the universe with nothing to say and with an eternity of punishment ahead of you. You need Christ. You have to realize your sinfulness and the inability of us to ever pay the price of that sin and it's by god's grace through faith in christ that you can have new life and so i encourage you if you're in that boat to consider the truth of the gospel the truth of god's word and to begin that new life but we ought to be we ought to be excited about this new life don't you think You know, we we start the new year with new goals and new things, and we're excited about those things. Let's be excited about living for Christ. Let's be excited about putting into practice this this three-step methodology, if you will, for how to live the new life. Let's put off the old. Let's be renewed in our spirit and our mind, and let's get on with the new. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to to look at your word and hopefully to be um, challenged by it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and our minds to, to help us to desire this new life, to help us to see the futility and the uselessness of the old ways, the ways of the world, Lord, help us to to be renewed by your spirit, through your word, in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, prepare us for for the work that you have ahead of us. Lord, give us opportunity to do good to one another, to speak truth, to be angry and not sin, to be tenderhearted, to be forgiving, and all those things that you ask of us in this scripture. Help us to desire those things.